You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,283. And this is our 1,596th interview. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcasting service from Orange County, California. Author Troy Underwood has written one of the most practical and useful guides for entrepreneurs at any stage of success. We've invited Troy to join the show to share his entrepreneurial journey that has led to this book. If you'd like to learn more about the peer groups that I lead and the coaching practice that I have here in Southern California, why don't you visit our website, which is very simply criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Troy, author of How to Launch Your Side Hustle, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Good to be here, Richard. Let's get started. What's the interesting title, How to Launch Your Side Hustle? Um, what's the main idea contained in your book? The main idea is that of all the people that want to be an entrepreneur, that have self-qualified uh, themselves to be an entrepreneur, it's, it's an idea that the other 99%, not the, the big giant companies that are going to go out there and borrow $50 million and then go hire you know, 5,000 employees, it's really the bootstrapped entrepreneur who's going to start a business and scale it with minimal capital. So like I said, the other 99%, the people that are going to just struggle through the next stages that maybe can't get a, uh, a business loan or angel financing. So I always like the subtitle on books because it, it kind of gives a little direction for where the book is going. And so your main title is, as I said, how to launch your side hustle. Your subtitle is Start and Scale a Business with Minimal Capital. And, you know, we're in the middle here of a COVID-19 crisis issues that have been going on for five weeks plus here in, in the U.S. And so it, capital is even more scarce, at least for a period of time. So I th would think your book is even more relevant to those maybe displaced employees who finally decided it's time to take control of their future and become an entrepreneur. Right, Troy? Well, sadly, Richard, you know, timing-wise, you, but you are absolutely right. So there's always some event, whether you got fired or just decided you're fed up or now is the time or, you know, COVID-19. The, the title of the book, I was going to call it The Necessity Entrepreneur. It was actually the publisher that came up with that title because they read it, liked it, and said, Troy, you know, it's really, you really described in here how to launch your side hustle. Uh, so I went with them on the title, but we are currently putting together some workshops and workbooks and stuff based on the book just for COVID-19, people that have been displaced, that they can go out there and, and take these 10 chapters and be able to do every aspect of launching your own side hustle. So I w my assumption was the term side hustle is in the lexicon now and that the audience would know what you mean by that. But maybe we shouldn't overstep that and ask you, at least from you as the author of the book, how do you define what do you mean by the term side hustle? 
Well, what I really want to focus on the side hustle is it's kind of an evolutionary process. You may have a quote-unquote real job. You know, you got your eight to five. And then your side hustle can be, a, a, for me, I was a software developer, worked my normal hours, and then after hours I was writing software that I expected would take off, so launch. But I never expected it to just be a side hustle. This, this book does not go into any you know, multi-level marketing. Hey, if you spend four hours a week in your spare time, you're going to make an extra bundle of money over your lifetime. How to do this in your part-time. This is launching your side hustle that it will eventually become your hustle, your, your main job, and not something that you do a few hours here and a few hours there. It's, okay, it so is your this main is, job, this essentially. Is, I'm sorry. This isn't designed to be a part-time gig. This is designed to be your business, but you're explaining how to get from where you are now into that business through the idea of starting and scaling a business with minimal capital. Exactly. Got it. What's the inspiration for the book? Well, I was sitting on a flight a few years ago, and the passenger next to me and I were talking, and she said, you know, Troy, you have an interesting story. You should write a book. <laughs> so I immediately picked up my iPhone and started writing. So I will tell you, if anyone buys it, How to Launch Your Side Hustle, arguably the most interesting book of the 21st century. Not even because <laughs> of the words. This is I wrote the whole book on my iPhone or my iPad. Wow. That's when inspiration struck me. I was on an airplane. I was at the beach. I was at the park. I was in bed. I didn't just sit down at a computer and start writing. Just every time I had a spare half hour, I uh, would actually just start writing. And, and I did the whole thing with my thumbs. Now, my daughter edited it. So she actually took this piece of coal and, and turned it into, you know, something that looked like a diamond. But uh, sure. no, I wrote the whole thing. Just inspiration. I wanted to teach people a little bit, share people, share with people. And when she said, you know what, that's interesting. You should write it. It just struck me and I just started doing it. And it just took off. I, I honestly never really had any expectations of having a publisher pick it up. That was a wonderful surprise. I figured I would self-publish, sell 12 copies, and give 10 copies away to friends and say, hey, I wrote a book, and right. you know my kids would be able to read it someday. But um, when the publisher picked it up, I was like, wow, they're impressed with it, and it's, it's really done well since, and I'm, I'm very pleased. So that's not easy to do, even in this day and age, is to get a publisher that will stand behind your book. Many people don't choose to try, even, because it's pretty easy now to self-publish if you just follow the kind of blocks and tackling that's involved. But to have a publisher is, a, is important. They must have seen an audience for the book. Can you describe what your target audience is as you kind of wrote this book, and now that you're out you know, promoting it and giving talks on it when we're allowed to give talks again in public and doing podcasts sure. now. My audience, anybody who's ever wanted to really start their own entrepreneurial business. And I do talk a little bit about the difference between an entrepreneurial business and just a business. Somebody could go just buy a franchise. That's really what I'm not focusing on is just how to go buy a franchise and do exactly what you're told. It's more of a, a creative mindset on how to 
you have to be a little bit of a, of a renaissance person in being able to execute all aspects of a business. The publisher's um, main uh, field is academia, and so libraries and schools. And I just think it's terrific. I've had a couple schools contact me and say they like the book. Uh, I know Cal State Fullerton uh, did, and they want to put it as part of their curriculum. That's just a dream come true for me. And, you know, I go there and talk to some of the students because I've done a lot of um, at UC Davis, UC San Diego, a lot of mentoring uh, graduate school of management and entrepreneurs and just love sharing that information with people. And the book really helps to solidify that. So if we were to take your book and just kind of look at the page that is generally the table of contents, can you kind of take us through, I mean, I'm not literally asking you to take us through the table of contents, but just generally speaking, what's in these 10 chapters? You know, I mentioned the Renaissance, man. So if you look at running all aspects of a business, it goes anywhere from uh, the legal, the IT, the sales, the marketing, human resources, product development, uh, funding. I do spend the first chapter trying to talk people out of becoming an <laughs> entrepreneur Okay. Uh, to try to describe to them if you think you're starting a business and you think you're an entrepreneur, you're probably not. It gets into a little bit of semantics, but if I can talk somebody out of being an entrepreneur in a chapter or, or in a five-minute conversation, then they should never have been an entrepreneur in the first place. It's, it's way too difficult, too demanding, so people should actually know themselves, know what they're getting into. But the rest of it is, and I'm assuming here at, at this point, unlike the traditional uh, definition of entrepreneur, which is the intermediary between labor and capital, I'm assuming on, on our definition here of more of the necessity entrepreneur, they're going to start the business, own the business, run the business, small business that they hope to grow into a larger business and eventually sell it, and we go into all all aspects of that. So, you know, I've started it from a dollar. Uh, one of my companies started it with a dollar and sold it for $106 million. Other, others I've sold um, for, for not quite that much, but similar, you know, idea. So if somebody can take it and scale it, then they have to be able to start small and not waste a lot of money and grow every step of the way. And every chapter is kind of designed on, on how they can do that. And now they have to know those skills to do that. So, so we're speaking with Troy Underwood. He is the author of the book, How to Launch Your Side Hustle, Start and Scale a Business with Minimal Capital. And so, Troy, what you just said in that answer that I'd like you to maybe unpack a little bit for the audience is kind of your background. I, I know that you're a serial entrepreneur, founder of different companies. And so your your book is... I would assume, somewhat based on your practical experience in doing what you're trying to help others to figure out how to do. Yes, the book is based on that, just because that's what I can draw on, on mostly, a lot of examples of what others have done too, but mostly myself. My background, I was a, a software developer, and I used to do a lot of custom software programming, and if you know software and you can program microcomputers in the 1980s, you're kind of like a magician in that you can do amazing things that no one else can do, but it also teaches you how to think. So 
when you're thinking about a business opportunities, you know, I could look at any uh, paper-based business transaction and I could automate it. I mean, I could automate it in my head. You watch people walk around, you hear, why is this person doing this? Why is that person doing that? And I remember my, my first big, I, I did a few others, but my first big one had to do with uh, motor vehicle titles. Motor vehicle titles used to be all paper. So not the vehicle title going to the registered owner, but to the lien holder, uh, the bank, the credit union. Some of these will do 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 car loans a month. So they're getting 50,000 pieces of paper from the DMV each month. And I was just along the mindset of saying, hey, that doesn't have to be. Why don't they just go electronic? And, and I know this is a long time before Al Gore invented the Internet, but I had never gone a day without using the Internet since 1982. So the idea, because I was a computer science major, I turned economist. I didn't graduate computer science, but uh, that's what I did at UC Davis for years before I moved over to economics. And I knew how to do a computer, everything I did on a computer. I did my term papers on a computer. I did reports. I mean, I, everything was a computer. So when people were shuffling paper, it was completely alien to me. And the, the, the most difficult part of that was when I would go into a bank or, or a, you know, a large captive financial institution, and I could tell them that this is a better way. And they would say, oh, no, 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 no. Our people are more efficient than you. And I'm going, no, You're, you could take 100 people, and I could do everything they could do by pushing a button and playing golf. And I'm, I'm literally right. That's how significant it was to get rid of the motor vehicle titles in paper form uh, to the lien holders. It's huge. I mean, most of the titles, you look at most of the car loans down there in Orange County, most of them are financed, and most of those have a title that went electronic to the lien holder which means almost all of those were processed by my software, which is kind of the back end of a horse. You know, it's not the sexy side. It's not interesting, right. but it's very necessary. And when we did it, we totally and completely dominated it. It was, it was cutting edge, bleeding edge. But once we got people to actually realize, no, this electronic stuff is okay, it, it did take off, and it was, uh, and still is to this day. I mean, it's not like it was great and then it waned. More, more jurisdictions are picking it up still to this day. It, it still amazes me, though, that not all states use electronic titles. Uh, California was the first. They were very cutting edge, and a few others, Massachusetts, Washington. But not all of them have, uh, have adopted it to this day. It's kind of, kind of, that, that part is kind of sad, but the rest of it is a very great success story. Yeah, interesting backstory. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Maybe you can also share a little bit of your experience as a published author. You know, what advice can you give to the audience? Some of whom I'm sure have a, have a believe they have a book in them too, Troy. So I always like to try to motivate them by getting the peer experience of published authors on you know how to write a book and and then how to successfully get it published. I mean, what based on your experience, what advice could you an encouragement maybe could you offer to my audience? Well, the encouragement side of it is I would encourage them to write it. I mean, if nothing else, it's a very wonderful, interesting process. I mean, you'll, you'll sit up. I, I had multiple nights. I remember go to bed at 10 o'clock, wake up at 11, and, you're, uh, and your brain is just on, a, on fire. You're just thinking at 100 miles an hour. I remember one night just writing on my iPad all night. 
I stopped about 7.30, went on a bike ride, came back a couple hours later, and I didn't stop until 9 p.m. except to eat or go to the bathroom. I wrote all night and all day. Stopped for a bike ride, stopped to eat, stopped to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, I just wrote. And it, that inspiration is kind of fascinating. So regardless of whether you think you have an audience or whether you think you're going to make a lot of money or, or, or you're going to be the next uh, you know, great American novel, at least write <laughs> it. I mean, you're right on the self-publishing. Go ahead, self-publish it. I had every intention of self-publishing. The fact that it, uh, it did get picked up was, to me, an incredible, wonderful bonus. And, uh, but the expectations, from what I've heard... Yes, I'm a professional author in the sense that I've written a book and I got paid to do it, but I'm not really a professional writer. I'm a professional, I'm an entrepreneur, a businessman, a software developer. Go into it with realistic expectations that you probably won't get published. Is everything I've seen, and after I did it, I've gone out and looked, and people that I've talked to have said it's 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 very rare. I mean, one in a hundred will actually get their first book picked up by their publisher, by a publisher on their first attempt. And I'm like, wow. But I didn't know. I didn't have any idea going into it that that was the case. Right. Everything I studied on that, self-publishing is fine. If you do something that you think is interesting, it's great. So you mentioned earlier about working with your publisher to sort of customize some of the content for the current environment. But I'm wondering, do you have other resources available to support the book? If so, could you describe them and maybe the benefit for our audience and then the readers of your book? Oh, well, resources in terms of um, Troy Underwood. So if anybody wants to see some of the stuff I've done, uh, TroyRUnderwood.com. And in terms of other resources, like I mentioned, my daughter Ashley, she edited the book. So and we hired a, a professional indexer. And there's a lot more to writing a book than I, than I ever knew. So hire professionals that can help um, fill in the gaps from what you can't do, and that that's my philosophy throughout the whole book and whole business career, too. Don't expect, even though you have to be a little bit of a of a renaissance person there, don't necessarily limit it uh, to not hiring somebody who's more uh, expert than you are at anything, whether it's the, the writing, the indexing, the editing, proofreading, art design layout, whatever it is. And uh, so from, from my resources, if somebody wants to learn more about how I did it or whatever, just visit TroyRUnderwood.com. What did you learn about launching a side hustle, Troy, that you didn't know or recognize or wasn't in your consciousness before you went through this uh, commitment to write this book? Well, you get to think, you get to look back on the whole process that you did for, for all these years and kind of look at it and say, you know, why did I do that? How did I do that? Because you're not thinking about that at the time. All you're thinking about at the time is, how am I going to make the next payroll? That's what you're thinking about. How am I going to get the next customer? How am I going to do the next software release? Most people that are at that stage in a business aren't really philosophizing how, hey, this is going to completely revolutionize the way widgets are, are transferred or something like that. It's only after you look back on it and you say, wow, that was revolutionary. I mean, not only did I create a software package, create a company, I created an entire industry. I didn't realize that until years after I'd done it, um, which is really great. But one thing about that is 
you have to be able to take that risk, step off the ledge, but you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself, and you actually have to have some skills. People aren't going to get out there and just buy your stuff because you have a lot of confidence. Um, but what I learned about this myself and the whole process is that you have to have the mental. I mean, yeah, you have to have a little bit of brains, but that's not really that. It's not like you have to have college degrees and a high IQ to do this, but you have to have a lot of perseverance. You have to have a lot of confidence in yourself, and you have to have a lot of patience. So, you know, make sure you're not all over your employees if somebody doesn't send something out on time because you're, you're in this for the long haul. And it's not, and sometimes days have to go perfect, but usually it's, it's, it's a long haul path. And you have to learn a little bit about yourself and look in the mirror and ask yourself some serious questions. And if you don't think you're going to like the answers, <laughs> don't be an entrepreneur. That is really great advice, especially in this time when there are people who are maybe frustrated with the employment world just because of what people are going through right now with the unemployment and the uncertainty, et cetera, and they see maybe as a safe haven people who own their own business or started their own company. But having walked in both positions as a as an employee for many years and then now as an entrepreneur for a decade plus, there's a certain level of commitment required to be an entrepreneur to stay in the game that I never had the experience when I had my career in the corporate world. It, it does test you in ways that I don't think working for somebody else ever could or would. So I, I think your, your uh, commitment to making people soberly realize what, about their, what they're about to do is really well-founded. So thank you for that. If, if someone would like to get in touch with you, Troy, or buy your book, learn more about what you're doing, how do they find you online? You can go to TroyRUnderwood.com. There's links there to Amazon and Target and Indie Books and others that, that sell it, you know, or just go to Amazon and look up how to launch your side hustle. Um, we'll talk about on TroyRUnderwood.com. We're going to put together some workbooks uh, specifically around the COVID-19 displaced people because we want to we're going to make these workbooks and do some webinars presentations centered around the book and for the next several months just make them available for free to anybody who wants to kind of explore uh the opportunity to uh to launch their own side hustle great well thank you for being a guest and a friend of the show a member of the critical mass uh business community and for contributing what you know in paper form and kindle etc for the uh, other people to learn from your experiences. I appreciate having you on the program today, sir. Thank you, Richard. Bye. Bye -bye. I'll also want to thank our engineer, who was Paul Roberts, and our three producers, without whom could not do the show each week, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer, Vanessa Holland. If you would like to connect with me, I'd ask you to connect on LinkedIn. That's my preferred platform. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.